0: The hours move at an excruciating pace, both too slow and yet before you know it they've passed and another day has been lost. It makes me feel both too young and yet too old at the same time. How do I know where I stand in time at this empty, too late, yet too early hour? Some of you know who I am. Some of you remember me. I consider this to be a great honor. But most people? Who am I to most people? Why do I feel the need to be something to most people? Because I am a hungry, vicious, selfish creature. I am not alone. The world is full of people who want to be important, loved, remembered. But we chase this at what cost? To what end? For what reason? I do not need these things. I want them. And yet I find that I am simply happy to be heard in this very moment. Whether or not I'm remembered, respected, or reviled, it is enough right now to be heard. I haven't got much small talk in me this week, I'm afraid. I don't have anything small or light or frivolous to indulge in. I hope that it's enough to say that I have my story. It shall have to be. At any rate, here is my story. Once, not long ago, in fact, perhaps very recently, there was a woman. Perhaps there still is this woman. But let me not be so focused on time. Let me instead be focused on her. She was a very quiet, very meek, very unassuming person. She had a little home and a little job and a little life. Or so she thought of it herself. I would not use these words for anyone's life, but she felt that she lived her life in a very small and safe kind of way. Perhaps she felt this so keenly because she longed for something more. She longed for a life that was large. She longed for a life lived across several continents with thousands of admirers and with her holding the reins to her own destiny. She didn't want to be small and quiet and to blend into a crowd. And yet here she was, unsure of how to change things, unsure of how to stand out, how to take risks. And so she learned to live with that longing, sitting in her gut every day. One day she was taking her usual route home from her place of work. Down the street, turned to the right, down a steep set of stairs underground to the trains she took every day for a 30-minute ride in one direction, and then another bus for 20 minutes, and then a 15-minute walk to her little, quiet, empty home. She did this most days, and she did it without thinking without observing anything around her, keeping her head down and her eyes forward. But on this day in particular, one thing was different. She left work, walked down the street, turned to the right, went down the steep set of stairs to the underground trains. But before she boarded one, she heard the most unusual, entrancing sound. It was a music unlike any she'd ever stopped to hear before. And in all fairness, she didn't stop and listen to music very often at all. But this music was so unusual to her. How long had it been since she'd paid attention to something so luxurious? so decadent, so whimsical as music, or art, or film. She couldn't remember. But this music... Can I describe how personal it seemed? How very close to her heart, to something from long, long ago, in her past when she couldn't remember, but knew she'd heard this music before. how the words seemed to appeal to a tiny part in the corner of her mind that she never told anyone about. When she followed the sound, she traced it to a lone performer, singing and playing for travelers on the way to or from the trains. He stood by himself with a microphone, singing softly and plaintively his voice ethereal and strange. He had a quality that was distinctly young and dissatisfied, sad and dark and yet entirely charismatic and mischievous all at once. It was a quality that was impossible to look away from, and yet she was the only one watching the young man. He had the hungry, empty, poetically deathly appearance of a modern young person who could easily find himself becoming a rock star. And while her eyes were on him and his performance, his eyes stared vaguely down at his microphone, as if he couldn't be bothered to care about the fact that he was singing the most terrifying and gorgeous song in the world. And on his forearm, she noticed a strange tattoo or was it a scar that was a symbol tucked within a circle something she didn't recognize but it didn't take her attention away from that exquisite song But only she seemed to hear it. No one else stopped. No one else acknowledged him. No one else realized how deeply beautiful and unsettling the song was. She put a dollar in his guitar case. And he stopped playing. He didn't do anything. In fact, he just stood there and smiled a little in her direction. It was thanks enough, though it chilled her to the bone to see that smile. She nodded, blushed, and sheepishly went off to hop on her train and head home. Thirty minutes on her train in one direction, then a bus for twenty minutes, then a fifteen-minute walk home. And the whole time she thought about those hollow, starved eyes. That strange, silent smile. But most of all, that haunting song. She couldn't remember how it went, though. She remembered how it made her heart ache, and how it made her feel afraid and alive. But she couldn't remember the melody. Even in her little bed, with the lights all turned off and the roar of traffic beneath her, and the sound of people younger than herself laughing and singing in the streets. She tried to drown it out with that melody, but she only remembered the feelings that it wrought. She didn't know if she should hate or love those feelings. But they were there, and there was nothing to be done about it. The next day was a rare day off from work for her and these days she normally didn't quite know what to do with herself. She'd often keep busy running errands or going on long walks. Today, however, she found that she was exhausted. She'd stayed up all night trying to remember the lost song and mourning its absence in her memory. So she woke up groggy and exhausted, poured herself a cup of coffee, and turned on her television set for the first time in over a week. The Weather Channel, The Guide, a shopping channel. Then, there he was, standing in front of a microphone with a small band behind him, singing the song she'd forgotten. It was everything she remembered it being. And so, so much more. It was so much more pained, more unusual, more frightening, more bold than she recalled. And maybe that was a result of her having built it up in her mind. Or maybe it was that he had a whole band behind him this time. But it was the man from the subway and the song he sang on live television with an applauding audience. She went on her computer afterward and tried to find the song, tried to find a video, tried to find the lyrics, tried to find a track for it. She would have purchased it at any price, but it simply didn't exist. On the television program's website, there was no record of the performance, the performer, or the song, And it couldn't be helped, but it started to slip from her memory. She tried to hold on to it, cling to it, replay it in her mind, but it slipped through her fingers and left her again. If she'd had it in herself to scream in frustration, she would have. But she told herself to forget it. Forget the song, forget the feelings it evoked. Forget it, it's just a song. But how did it go? It was something like, something like a primal, ancient, yet entirely modern and new chant. No, a prayer, no, an elegy, a a celebration, something like everything and yet nothing. Let it go, she told herself. Let it fly away. She found herself wandering around her home that day, trying to recall the words in the melody to no avail and leading into another sleepless night. The man's hungry smile and unfocused gaze taunting her from within the television set in her mind. How did he not exist online? How were there no traces of this song in any public record? yet she'd heard it twice within a 24-hour period. In this day and age where everything is so public and so trivial, she had found something very private and very rare and very, very special. Yet it seemed to be only hers. What could it be worth if it only belonged to her? She went to work the next day, and no one could tell that she was tired and frantic distracted and dazed. No one even noticed that she was a little late. She got through her day, completing her work in twice the speed as usual, which again no one noticed, and then packed up her things with shaking hands and began her walk to the train station. When the man wasn't playing there, her heart sank and she roared aloud in the subway station. No one even raised their head. She rode the train for 30 minutes and the bus for 20 minutes, heading home again, and began her 15-minute-long walk home. However, she couldn't help but hear the clinking of glasses and applause of customers at a bar where live music was playing. She usually ignored the sound, but when she heard his voice, she followed it. He was here again and she was going to find him. He played the song in a bar. No, a club, a most exclusive club, for a crowd of dozens, perhaps over a hundred dancing people. She found her way past the bouncers and inside the club, standing still as stone, watching him. The dancers were more entranced with their drinks, their companions, or their own dancing than they were of the incredible musician. In fact, no one watched him at all except for her. The song. The same one from before, the same words, the same melody, the same voice but she was so relieved that she was hearing it again that tears poured down her face in gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this music back to me, back to my life, for there can be nothing better than this. I don't know how no one else knows, but this is the most valuable thing in the world. When the performer had finished, she tried to watch where he disappeared to, and track him down to a green room or backstage area. When she asked bouncers or barbacks where the musical performers were, they seemed to brush her off and refuse to answer her question. When she asked about the young man who just sang the haunting song, no one seemed to know who she was referring to. They didn't know his name, or the name of his band, or the name of the song. No one could find any record of him. And no one thought it was unusual, especially because so many came in and out of here. One couldn't be expected to remember every one of a small degree of talent. This one, she insisted, this one you have to remember. But no one did. And the song slipped away from her memory again. Furious, she walked home where she smashed everything she could find. Every little insignificant thing that she'd spent her little hard-earned money on. She pulled it from the cupboards and dashed it against the walls. She hadn't done it earlier because she was afraid of someone complaining about noise from her apartment. But now she found no one noticed. No one cared yet again. And so she shrieked and broke things and tried and tried to bring the song back but it was gone. Another sleepless night, another glassy-eyed, exhausted day at work where she got almost nothing done and no one noticed. Another long trip home by subway and by bus and by her own two feet. But she found she couldn't stay home alone. The silence in her room was deafening. The television only showed her things and people that weren't that song or the singer. She didn't want anything that could be here. She found herself walking at midnight somewhere else. Somewhere with people. With music. Yes, it was a weeknight. Yes, she was normally afraid of walking around the city at this hour. But she didn't care and the frenzied bloodshot quality to her eyes frightened away anyone who might wish mischief on her. She found a street. A street with sad wanderers like herself, lonesome and vigilant for something. An opportunity, a person, a song, anything. She found a bar. A bar where a man was singing at a microphone, drunk and sad and distant against a backing track that had no vocals, only instruments supporting him. The upbeat bounciness to the instrumentals only seemed to enhance his foggy, empty singing. She went in, ignoring the bartender, ignoring the small group of people scattered throughout the bar. She waited at the foot of the stage for the man to finish his song, and she immediately took the microphone and stood on stage, looking out. The light blinded her a little. She heard someone ask what song she was going to sing. She shook her head for she didn't know, but she didn't want to tell him that. She wanted to sing. She wanted to scream. She wanted to feel as alive as she'd felt when she heard that song. What song? The voice asked again, impatiently. She thought for a long time, and then into the microphone, simply said, It goes something like this. And she started to hum a little. It was wrong. It was close, but it was wrong. No, no, wait. Please. I can find it. She said desperately while some people laughed or scoffed at her in the bar. She heard the DJ shouting something at her, most likely trying to get her to leave the stage and let someone else have a chance. It was then that her tired, desperate eyes looked out past the blinding stage light to the audience. And she saw him sitting there. The young man, the one who sang the song. He hadn't entered. He wasn't there before. Yet here he was, appearing from out of nowhere. His arms were folded on the table in front of him, the scar on his forearm visible. He smiled at her. She opened her mouth in a huge smile a huge, grateful smile that was deeply excited at the prospect of having that song so close to her again. She had to have it. How does it go? She begged him quietly over the microphone. He didn't answer. He just watched her intently, seemingly pleased somehow with himself, but more so with her. Please, please, give me the song again. I have to know it. I have to have it. I'll do anything, please. And he knew that she meant it. She felt a burning on her shoulder, a horrible ache, and realized that the scar was leaving his arm, disappearing, and his eyes from behind those shaggy, dusty locks in front of his face gently glowed red. His face somehow seemed so much more ancient and less like that of a young man, and more like that of some kind of primal beast. Something serpentine and wolf-like, yet human and unknown as well. His smile, however, didn't hold its human emptiness that it had before anymore. It instead was joyful, ecstatic, the most human thing about him reaching out at her beyond his red eyes and now his skin that seemed to char and split and glow red from within, as if it housed the occasional river of magma coursing through his veins instead of blood. Whatever he was, he was thrilled that he'd been noticed, heard. The song, it seemed, was just waiting for her, not the other way around. She took the microphone as she looked at him, and she began to sing his song. Through the gates and out beyond. Oh, Softly at first, but with growing confidence. And the more she sang, the more she realized it was both of theirs. More hers now, as the symbol with the circle on her shoulder seemed to solidify into an elaborate beautifully penned tattoo. Her small personality, her small job, her small life seemed to somehow fall away, and there was only this music left, and oh, it was more than enough. She thought she'd heard it long ago in her past, and suddenly it all became clear. All the times as a baby, a child, an adolescent, a young woman, that she'd heard the song called to her from a distant corner of the radio, or a voice on the street, or on a television advertisement, she'd just forgotten it until now. He'd always sang it for her, wanting her to have it. And now she was finally ready to accept this gift. This curse, this gift. You meet me there, you meet me there again. The creature who glowed from within and watched her with red eyes and now little grey horns sprouting from his temples clapped along to the beat. She remembered every single line of the song, every word, and more importantly, every feeling. And he heard it for the first time coming from someone else. And when she was done, he would forget it, and she would remember it. Forever and ever, until she wanted to give it to someone else. But he, in the meantime, could go home wherever it is that he came from, for it wasn't here on earth. Would he come back to listen to her sing it? Undoubtedly, yes. Would she one day grow weary of the heartbreaking song and want to give it to someone else, and hear it pass from her lips to theirs? Maybe. Would it bring her great success and joy in the meantime? Probably not. I wish I could say, yes, it would, but we know that dissatisfaction is not so easily shrugged off, but it would bring to her a whole new life, perhaps not happier, but it had that song in it, and that was all one could want or ask for. Have you ever heard a song that shattered you so deeply? That you wanted nothing else but that music for the rest of your life? I'm finding it. I may have found it. It might be this. This podcast. These stories I tell you. Perhaps they've ruined me for anything else. So I stay here in this dirty, unyielding cellar, and I tell you stories. Even if it doesn't make everything else go away, the battles, the figures who haunt me, my awful and wonderful past, it is alive, and it helps remind me that I am too. It is small, this podcast, my song. It is small, but I am not. It is not a terribly frightful thing to be trapped by your own song. (laughs) What am I saying? I'm saying enough. Forget it. (laughs) Forget me. Good night, my friends. Hello and good evening, everybody. This is Kristen, the podcaster slash writer slash performer slash composer slash everything of this show. Thank you so much for listening to episode 68 of On a Dark Cold Night. I hope all is well for you tonight. I'd like to send a thank you to a recent five-star reviewer of the podcast, Shayna 29 who writes a review called Amazing with One Small Drawback, Personal Preference. Shayna 29 says, I love this podcast. The only thing I would change is the high pitch whistling. I listen to them as I fall asleep, and sometimes I'm almost out, and that whistle wakes me up. LOL. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to write. I am more than happy to hear constructive criticism, and um, in fact, this criticism I have uh heard before. So um, I'm happy to say that my recent episodes actually do have the theme music turned down quite a bit. Um, I I hope that helps but I sincerely appreciate you leaving a five-star review to share these thoughts. Um, That's really so helpful. If you want to help out the show, leaving a review on iTunes like Shana29 is so awesome and very helpful. You can also do it on Stitcher or on my Facebook page. Next up, you can follow me on Facebook on our page or on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on my YouTube channel on A Dark Cold Night. You can also help out by supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. For any amount you pledge a month, you can receive access to my ever-updated soundtrack of the show there. If you don't want that perk and want to donate only once, feel free to buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Finally, we also have shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on dash a dash Dark dash cold dash night. All of these links can be found at my website kristinzaza.com dot com slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me tonight. I appreciate it so much. Have a wonderful week and rest well. Good night, my friends.